Welcome to our podcast, COP26 and the Journey to Change, a podcast brought to you by Visit Scotland's business events team. COP26 is all about change, the vital and necessary change we need to make not just as individuals, but as communities, countries and continents, the global journey of change to address climate change and its impact. In this podcast, we will be discussing how the issues of change and sustainability affect the business events sector, and also how business events can help bring about the change that we need. We will be questioning what we can learn from COP26 and what our industry can do to change itself. And we'll be examining the COP26 programme themes, including energy, nature, youth and science, to find those crucial intersections where business events can make a difference and help achieve the outcomes of COP26 and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. At Visit Scotland, we believe that business events are more than just meetings. We believe business events can be catalysts for social and economic change. As Scotland welcomes COP26, we welcome you to our podcast. Stay tuned, follow for new updates and enjoy. Welcome everyone, the session's about to begin. Please take your seat and make yourself comfortable. Please ensure your tea and coffee is topped up and feel free to shut down your emails and enjoy the session. Today, we'll be discussing Business Events for Change, a corporate and incentive perspective. To help us in our discussions, we are delighted to be joined by Ben Goodigabur, Enterprise Vice President, Global and Industry Presence at Marit's Global Events. And our guest host today is Neil Brownlee. So, uh, welcome Ben and welcome all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. It's not long now until COP26, the largest business event ever to come to the United Kingdom or Scotland kicks off. So sitting here with Ben Hurdigabura from Maritz, as Fiona just said in her introduction. And um, what we're going to discuss today is to, to explore the value of Maritz Global Events, and sorry, the values of Maritz Global Events, and how Ben and I think CNI organisations can ensure they're sustainable in inverted commas. And perhaps what the global CNI market can do to change policies that have been in place for decades, let's be honest, and what's changed pre and post pandemic. And as we know, we're not quite post pandemic yet, but we think we're on the way out. So straight off, Ben, I know Marit's Global Events very well, but for the benefit of our listeners, just tell us a bit about Marit's Global Events and its work. Yeah. And first of all, Neil, congratulations to the United Kingdom and Scotland and Glasgow for hosting COP26, because that's really going to be extremely exciting for the world. And uh, I'm sure it will be a great success, great memories of Glasgow and Scotland. So good luck to you all. Um, Marit's Global Events, part of the Marit's group of companies, we do events, or in fact, Marit's Global Events does um, experience design. We see ourselves as an experience design company that does events uh, really well 
really, really, really well around the globe. And the spectrum of events that we do is is across the the full business event spectrum. So association meetings, trade shows, um, governmental meetings, um, and then corporate events and incentives. So really the broad spectrum. It's a large company um, with its headquarters in the in the United States in St. Louis, um, but uh, also based all over the United States. We do lots of events and we do lots of experiences uh, and we do those really well. Many other people might know the, the two brands that we used to have, which was Marriott's Travel on the corporate side and Experience. And um, in April of last year, we were bringing those two together as Marriott's Global Events. And uh, we've gone ahead, um, even though we didn't have a big launch of the new brand, we've gone ahead um, uh, under the Marriott's Global Events name uh, since then. So now in the market as Marriott Global Events, serving all these markets in a very wide variety of, um, of contexts, feeding off each other and um, yeah, doing those events really, really well, as I say, all across the world. Um, um, we have like a, a business motto, if you like, um, the vision, which is transforming business and people through the event experience, again, through all the markets. Um, and then our mission is uh, designing events experiences that inspire people to achieve extraordinary results so really people focused organizations focused um, and uh, i've just told you what we do now we have a company motto a cultural compass if you like and that is first they could care of each other we believe in the power of people um, and we we believe that um, through that motto we can unleash human potential so the potential of the people within our organizations in the organizations that we serve, through meetings, through events, through incentives, et cetera, et cetera. And then the, the, the company is very results-oriented for the organizations that we work with because we realize that it's all about the result and what the outcome of those events or those event experiences can be. Um, you'll notice our team. Um, we have a, a large team out there. The people that we employ are passionate um, we try to be as inclusive as we can. The organization is in, as inclusive as we can be. Um, we are collaborative and, um, well, my role in the, within the organization is very much based on that. And it's also our view to how we see the world, a world of collaboration. And as we're talking about the environment, that's a really important thing. We are environmentally active. Um, we uh, subscribe to the, the goals of the United Nations, the, uh, the sustainable development goals. So we're trying to build the organization as such that we, um, yeah, we are as sustainable as we can be. And then we're socially engaged and we'll come back to how we do that, how we are engaged. Sure. And then finally, it's a group of designers. It's a group of, of team workers. It's a group of working together with the client for the very best results. So, and we're advocates for the business events profession. So that's really a direction of the organization. Like I say, it's a fairly large organization. Um, before the pandemic, we did eight and a half thousand meetings per year. Um, that's changed a little bit, but business is coming back when we did about four and a half million hotel rooms. So just to give you an indication of, of the, the size of the organization. Wow. And we organize events, as I say, all across the world and all continents. It's a huge organization, as you say, and it's certainly one of the most renowned names in the sector that we all work in. And um, 
And amusingly, I remember you correcting me on my pronunciation of Maritz when I got it the wrong way around. That's right. <laughs> your way of correcting me was, well, Steve Maritz calls himself Steve Maritz. I said, okay, that's a good line. Um, but I do like the way that the motto or the, or the sort of um, positioning of the organization is led by people, you know, the people word you know, in, in the motto. I think a lot of us at the moment are toying around with, you know, weightier words and perhaps loftier words. But I think starting with people is an excellent example of why Barrett is leading so much. And that's maybe one for us to take away when we look at things down the line. Maybe just one more, and this is trying not to use large words, but we're really doing this for our stakeholders. And we see our stakeholders as being our own people, our clients, our owner, um, and our partners, because all of that makes up the, if you like, the business events ecosystem. And we need to be good, excellent partners to all of those um, uh, in the way in which we do our business. So thought I would add that as well. Definitely. It's almost part of a community of people. Exactly. Yeah. You touched on a lot in your answer there, but I, as, a, as a destination, I represent, well, sounds a bit pompous. I work for Scotland at a national level as the, the national business events resource, if you like. I'm not the National Convention Bureau. My team is not the Scottish Convention Bureau, but we are representing the, the nation of Scotland at a, at a national level. And you know, you're dealing with cities, you're dealing with venues, you're dealing with nations. What would influence your decision on who to partner with in terms of destinations, whether it's accommodation suppliers or other organizations? How much do you look at their values or how, how do you dig them out to see if they align with yours yeah so i i think one of the as you would understand one of the key components of a destination has to be that it aligns with the values of our clients right because we're doing this on behalf of our clients it needs to fit with the brands that the client has it needs to fit with the expectation that the client has but it also needs to be, a, if you like, a responsible destination. We try to, to advise our clients as much as we can. But obviously, the first decision needs to be with the client. So we advise them on where they could do whatever they want to do in terms of an incentive program or in terms of what their meeting might be. Um, and we advise them as such. Now, destinations and as, as COP26 is coming, the importance of sustainability and the importance of how we behave ourselves towards the environment is becoming more and more important. And I, I wouldn't even say, and you said it in, in your introduction, becoming more and more important. It's always been there, but it didn't have the focus that it has now. And I think that that's an excellent thing. So as we're choosing the destinations, as we're choosing helping the client um, make that decision about where they might go, matters around the environment will become really, truly more and more important. And we see it in the in the corporate bids that we're getting, the RFPs, and I'm sure that you do too, that the question around the environment, that the question about responsibility and the question about um, being respectable citizens uh, comes up in uh, in all the major corporations that we work with. And it's, it's really no longer, um, it might have been a... Um, buzzword if you like in the past it's now becoming really serious in terms of um, corporations asking us to prove what the sustainable issues might be and how they might support all of that that's good so it seems that what you're saying is that the, the clients you're working with it, it is very much embedded in their way of thinking and it possibly was to some extent before march 2020 but now it's it's, it's far more than just lip service and we're not saying it ever was but i did see controversial article i think it was the new york times but it was inferring that 
a lot of the great big multinational companies, you know, putting their name to all sorts of causes around the world. Ultimately, they, they do so purely for their in the interest of their bottom line. But I think what you're saying is that this, this, that may be the case in some, but generally speaking, there's much more depth and integrity to it than that. I th and I think it's driven by how the public sees these organizations. So organizations, including our own, need to be seen, not only to be seen, but also to be, well, seen to be implementing um, uh, measures and implementing um, requirements on behalf of our clients, because that's what their constituencies want to see. And what I'm seeing very much, or what we're seeing very much, usually that would be driven by procurement within organizations. Now it's much more driven from the top and it goes through procurement into everything that they're asking us to um, subscribe to. And I think that's right. I think that can only be, it can be the only way that you um, effectuate change because it needs to be driven from the top. It needs to come bottom up, but it also needs to be um, guided by the top. And that's what's happening at the moment. Yes. And again, we're seeing that in our own organization as well. We're seeing that within the, the constituency of people that work for us. Um, so our, our team members, they are um, requiring that we put a lot of attention to that. Our clients are asking us to put a lot of attention to that. And, and it, like I say, it's driven from the top to make sure that, that we comply with all yeah. of that or that we more and more put measures in place that, that can effectuate that. When you get to a short list of destinations for a client, it, how much of it is logistical guidance from you and how much of it is almost political guidance? Or are they usually pretty much across the political bit? I think they're on both sides, right? I think it's it's around logistics. I think it's, as, you, as I said, I mean, it needs to fit with the with the requirements that the client yes. has. And the and you know the the RFP that or the the brief that has been put together by the client and then it's an interpretation from our team from our um, proposal development team or from the from the sourcing teams to find the right yeah. solution of what they're asking and like I said before it needs to fit with whatever the brand um, ethics are for the corporate exactly. that we work with um, and you know and and that very often is now driven by these types of um, requirements which I think as I say is a good thing. Yeah, and I think the logistical thing. I mean, certainly in a country like Scotland, that to you know, on a map looks fairly small. You know, it could come down to the little local knowledge that you know, can you go from Edinburgh to Inverness in a day? Yes, you can, but it's longer than it looks, and it's just also that. And and how would you get there? That's perhaps some of the sustainability debate as to how to make your trip within Scotland or a destination look good. Would you controversially? Would you? dismiss working with an organization that didn't align with Maritz's values and why? I mean, could you could you do it discreetly or through procurement? With an organization that doesn't align with our values, I think would be yes. I think that that would be um, a yes answer to that, but it really depends on what you what you're looking at, right? There's a, there are certain countries, destinations that you might not want um, directly to engage with, um, but there might be a reason for the client to choose that. And then it's important to go through the issues that are there. I think on the on the issue of sustainability, and you, you um, talk about Scotland, and of course, Scotland is excellently poised both in the association market, but also very much in the incentive market, because it's a beautiful country, and it is a pristine country, and there's not a lot of people um, that 
are around and it has its heritage, et cetera, et cetera. So there's so much that goes for it. To put that added investment into making it a greener or the greenest destination is, I think, has huge value because that also keeps it the way that it is at the moment. So I think that that's one of the things that destinations that have something exceptional like you do um, would be uh, uh, something to, to really focus on because it does bring people in the future as well. And it's a great thing to be focusing on, not in a cynical manner, but in a, in a real manner. Hey, it's very nice of you to say that, but yeah, you're right. I think we're well positioned to place Scotland in that zone. And um, I think with incentive offering, which as, as you know, is, is very different to the city centre offering, but you know, for the, it's, it is far beyond the golf and the, and the landscapes. It is the landscapes, it's the experience, it's the, it's the natural larder. It's all these things. I keep going on about St. Andrews being the, the perfect incentive destination because it has the golf, it's got the history, but add in, and it's got world-class hotels and venues, but it also has a world-class centre of academic excellence in the University of St Andrews, which in the Sunday Times beat Oxford and Cambridge to the number one spot as the best university in the UK. So all these little things matter. I'm not sure what that has to do with sustainability, but I'm sure I can make a connection somewhere down the line. Just going back to the S word, as you know, it's been a but it's been a buzzword in our industry for you know well over ten years, twelve years, depending on what people think it means. Whether it just means uh, being green or whatever that means, you and I know that this discussion existed before the pandemic, and I think there's quite a lot of people picking it up again now, as if nothing's changed. But I think we agree that it's changed profoundly, and it's potentially an opportunity for the sector to demonstrate that we can do what we do in a sustainable manner. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, I absolutely think that that's the case. I think this is now really, um, you and I have been around for quite a while. And as you say, it's been on the agenda for a lot of people for quite a while, but it's all been very marginal in the way in which it's been implemented and in the way in which we've collaborated on that. This is truly an area where we need to collaborate. And that's why these COP meetings are so important not just for the general society, but also for these these sectors like our sector that is so affected by by travel, by um, by uh, how we conduct ourselves during events and what we do there on a on a it's a small scale, but it's a big scale. So I think now's the time that collaboration has come to the forefront, and um, the media have picked up on a lot of things where the urgency of of what we do with our countries and our um, societies has come much more to the forefront. So like I say, I think this is by far one of the most important things where collaboration is going to be truly important, and that's where our industry associations, our um, organizations like your own countries, cities um, need to come forward and take the lead on that because that's where the lead needs to be taken. Corporations need to take that responsibility. Organizers or uh, logistical organizations or experience design organizations like we are need to take our responsibility, but everybody needs to do that but it needs to happen in a coherent manner and somebody will need to take the lead or a group of organizations will need to take the lead uh, I, I agree i think uh, one thing we've seen over the last 18 months in nearly every country is on the list of priorities for governments dealing with the pandemic the event sector and within that the business event sector hasn't been understood but the role of destinations at national or city level to make the case is is more important than ever because they they'll listen to the the corporations and the you know, the businesses doing all the employment, but it was evident that only has certain amount of cut through, 
and and it's the destinations and if you like government agencies are the ones that are like visit scotland are the ones who have to help advocate for the sector and the good that it does because we've seen over the last 18 months just how interconnected everything else and the extent to which it's not sustainable for us never to travel or never to meet because effectively nobody has a job um but i also hope with cop 26 the the level of debate will rise it up to you know the aerospace industry the new engines the new the new technology which is truly going to change what we do exactly it's not it's not as as sheriff our dear friend and pcma keeps saying it's not about the plastic straws no it is not no no it's about really the big, big things that um, can be held by organizations like your own, but also by, you know, led by uh, organizations and companies like my own who can who can have an effect on all of that. Because the, the issues are so big, uh, the issue of travel, and it, but, it, but it also needs, in my mind, it needs to bring together other stakeholders in this conversation. So the, the big airline um, uh organizations need to be part of this the people who look at innovate innovation is critically important in our sectors on what's going to happen that needs to come from bottom up as well but we need to really invest in innovation and in in new transformations if you like on the, for our industry because it really is something that that will affect how we do business in the future and how people will travel in the future and therefore how people um, take part in incentives and meetings and, and congresses, etc. Yes. I also think that it's for the aviation sector to get slightly better at the way it communicates and who it communicates to. Because I came off a plane two weeks ago, an EasyJet flight, and as we landed at Edinburgh, they announced that this was a net zero carbon flight or something. And I thought, this is this is news to me. I do, I do not understand how that can be the case. You know, we, we flew with both engines from Portugal to, to Edinburgh. But why are they telling us when we've landed? And as you may have seen, British Airways flew a jet from London to Glasgow last week, and it was something like 60% more green than a plane they did eight years ago. And I think, well, they need to get that out there slightly better because we've seen over the last year that flights and airports are only there for people to visit friends and family. The entire business, and I mean, don't mean just business events, but business travel is completely ignored as reasons to open up the USA and everywhere else. So I think there's a big step change. And as you say, business events, we need to align more closely with the other sectors upon which we rely to make the case more cohesively. And I think especially as we are coming out of this period in which um, we've all been affected by not being able to travel because of the the pandemic i think now is the time to collaborate with the sectors that have an enormous impact on how people perceive travel so the airlines the the iatas of this world and and so for us to collaborate with those types of organizations is important because we've seen it with just the the example of it's slightly off topic but just the example of the apps our travel apps um, you know, we really need to do something there because the world needs to be able to open up again. So if that's of the course. only way that we can do it, then then we should collaborate as as much and as far and as wide and as closely as we can with these different sectors. Definitely. Well, Ben, I think we're about to go for a coffee break, but thank you so much for your thoughts. I think we've covered a lot of ground there. coffee will be waiting for you. We'll see you back here soon. Don't be late. We won't wait for you. Oh my god, so here we are on our coffee break, Ben. That's quite intense, but let's have a wee break uh, and then we can go back to talking about 
affairs of the world, but a lot of good chat in there. But just while we're waiting, while well, everyone grabs their, their whatever they're going to have, and again, it's a question that everyone will have asked you a million times, but what are you most looking forward to getting back to in the next few months? So, yeah, this has been a fascinating period, right? Because I have always worked from home, and now I've been at home for, but I did travel a lot. And now it's going to be back to traveling. So I'm based in the Netherlands, as you know, and I... Um, this weekend I had my first proper outing of, uh, it was a wedding I attended, which, and it was the first weekend that all the measures had disappeared. And uh, within one minute flat, people were back to where they were 18 months ago. So what I'm looking most forward to is really to be together again with a group. It obviously depends on what it is that I'm attending, but things like PCMA's, um, upcoming conference in in Lausanne and IMEX, all very important things to reconnect with an audience that you haven't seen live. Um, that's what I'm looking most forward to and just engaging in, in uh, being together and seeing people in the corridors having these short conversations around yes. what's next and how how next is going to be uh, be filled in. That's what I'm looking forward to. Now, I must say, during the pandemic or during the period, the 18 months behind us, whatever it is, 17, 18 months, I've kept connected with a very large group of people and um, uh, Zoom and Teams and uh, the Cisco systems and all the systems, Google, mm. etc. all the systems that have been around um, to connect have really kept us connected. So it's not as if we're disconnected, but the, being in a group together, that's going to be fun. I, no, I think I agree. And it's going to be interesting to see how our sector behaves, you know, because we've spent 18 months saying we're not part of the problem, yeah. um, but we're part of the solution. So now it's really for our, our sector to, to show it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm not going to ask you some of the more easier questions that we used in some other podcasts. You know, these questions like, uh, you know, tell us about yourself in five words. Right. And I know somebody who answered that question, allergic to questions like this, which is exactly five words, which I thought was very smart. So I'm still waiting for the opportunity to use it. So I won't ask you that question. Um, but talking about seeing people again, are you, is it for you, is it a drinks reception or intimate dinner? What's your preference? Oh, no, uh, not even that. I think just being in the corridors, uh, having a coffee to people, having an informal conversation about what, like I say, what's next and yeah. how have you done it, etc. No, it can be anything, right? It can be yeah. also sitting next to somebody that you haven't seen for quite some time, just sitting next to them and, and hearing what is around. And I do think... Once we have gone through this, uh, I'm hoping that this period now, um, uh, as the as the autumn comes, that this is now a period which is the really the end of of uh, as we know it here, at least here in Western Europe and maybe North America. Very conscious of the fact that there's still huge swathes of the globe which will still have an issue right um, until um, the middle of next year, but. It's strange to see how quickly all of this goes now. So, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Depending on where you go, there, there is no pandemic. There's an occasional yeah. face mask. Um, here's a question I struggled to answer when uh, Fiona asked me on a, another podcast. What is the thing you would recommend people take to a conference or meeting? Take? 
Yeah, and I think it doesn't mean need to be a physical thing, but is it, is it a, a sort of a an open mind as always? An open mind, yeah, as always. And I think what we've we've um, what we really learned over the past uh, period, and I've said it many times, we've learned to change and change and change again, right? This this thing about agility, but it's really true. You really need to be prepared to think on the hop and uh, just be prepared to do things that you haven't been used to. And I think that that in the, in the world that we live in, the, the planner world, if you like, or the people that organize events or are directly associated with it, it's hard to, to let go of, in the beginning, it's hard to let go of what you thought might happen. I think we're all much more open to how change might happen. I've always been open to change, but I think we're all used to now. Okay, if it's not, you know, if it's not going to be Tuesday. It's going to have to be Wednesday, right? <laughs> or it's going to have to be Wednesday in a month's time, or whatever it is that you need to do. It's like okay, but there's nothing you can do. So, yeah, I think it's taught us that it's it's not the worst thing in the world for something to move a few days. Exactly. Whereas, you, whereas prior to the pandemic, it's like oh, this, this just we, we, this cannot happen. But it's much easier to move a business event than a. World Cup or Olympic Games. Yeah, we've seen what happened with with the World Cup and the Olympic Games, right? I mean, and, indeed. I, mean, I know you've got plenty of funny stories from conferences that you could tell us. Um, I won't put you on the spot now. So whilst you're thinking about that, tell me. You know, we're both becoming elder statesmen in the <laughs> sector. You know, so thinking of the youth up and coming, what advice would you give to somebody just starting in the industry? Bearing in mind that people like me didn't come into the industry knowingly we had, we started doing hotel management and then fell into what we now call the mindset or business events yeah. but what advice would you give to a first time attendee at something like PCMA convening leaders you might or call I'm, it the mice events i don't call it the mice events i think okay. horrible terminology i'm, I'm going to stop calling it mice <laughs> if ben doesn't call it mice i'm not calling it I'll mice stand the mice industry that's all about the, the redentory acronym yeah exactly I think it's it's um, and I'm one up on you in terms of generation, but I I think we all came into this industry coming from something else, which was actually a great advantage to us because you already you did something else and you learned something else if you like um, while you came in. Again, it's um, I would say anybody coming into this profession take it for what it is and but take it all in because it's a yes. it's um, an industry which is very passionate sometimes um, quite chaotic in its in its nature because we we try to um, bring order in the chaos right because everything is happening at the same time deadlines are going through and i think anybody coming into this profession needs to take it you know take it all in take everything in yeah. learn from everybody talk to everybody try and um, try and connect with everybody this is a relationship industry this is a yes you know all all together sort of industry and and take advantage of that because no. there are very few industries like this i was mm -hmm. with a friend um we all know whose husband she uh, works in the her husband works in the oil industry and he was quite jealous of how he said if i see my wife operate in this market you know, everybody knows everybody, but it's also a connecting industry. Everybody knows any, everybody. Everybody has wide networks. Yes. Um, so use those networks and learn from whoever you can learn from. And yeah, take it all in, I would say. Yeah. I've always maintained that in this, this industry we're in, you, know, you meet people, you go places, 
and you find yourself in situations you just wouldn't be in in an, yeah. any other sector and i think that's why we're both so delighted it appears to be coming back and i think it'll look very similar and recognizable to what it was before march 2020 and perhaps some some things will change but the good bits will still be there and face to face resolutely will come back and i think i i think face to face will come back i think we need to we need to take from uh, this period of not being together as well and we have you know we need to be more um I think we need to be more transparent in the way in which we operate. I think we need to be more, um, you know, we need to give people a chance to, um, within our meetings, we need to have people um, do their thing, if you like. Yes. Um, you know, it, it, it's about choice. It's about choice you going to an event. It's not about. So we need to be respectful of that. It's a choice. It's not a, that, yeah. you know, they can choose. It's a consumer society. People can choose yeah. whatever they want to do. So it's how how they want to meet their objectives. Exactly. We need to be about the individual doing that or the organisation. Yeah, agreed. Well, we better get back to the to the audience. They'll be wondering where we are. But it's nice to get that little caffeine injection. So let's go back to our our more formal chat. The next session is about to begin. Please make your way back to the auditorium. <laughs> Marit's Global Events has had a strong set of values for some time now around human trafficking, which is a matter of utmost gravity and is very serious when we hear about it from Marit's, but also uh, from PCMA, who do quite a few sessions on it. Why is this particular area important to Marit's Global Events, as if it needed justification? Well, exactly, as if it needs justification. But one of the things, um, we are, are um, big supporters of ECPAT, um, which is ECPAT International, which is really around an organization that looks at, at protecting children from sexual exploitation. Um, this was a, a, a charity, a cause that the company chose as one of its principal um, charities, if you like, or principal focuses, if that's a word, um, because within the travel and tourism industry, um, sexual exploitation and the trafficking of children is very large indeed, which is a which is something that we can do something about. So we are, like I say, we're great supporters of ECPAT. We try to infuse that into um, our own meetings in the way in which we operate within the company. So we have a committee that focuses on on that. We try to put the word out about ECPAT um, because we think it's worth. Um, more than worth. We think it's critical that we take responsibility for that because, and we take responsibility uh, as far as we can to to make sure that this doesn't happen. So, and we've collaborated well with this organization. Um, it's important that we do that because we need to try and eradicate that. And in many of the hotels, as an example, many of the hotels where events are being held, where uh, people are, this happens. Um, and we have, um, yeah, we've taken this as our principal organizational focus of being good citizens, if you like. Yes. And we try to involve our, our staff in all of that as well, our teams in that as well. And I think, it's, and it's based on the fact that business events or your clients and the resultant delegates are uniquely placed as travelers, often on our own, to observe things or situations that there is a leisure traveler might not their eyes might not be open to it yeah and there um, are and there are examples of that where where team members have been able to um, um to see that and to 
um, let the authorities know that something is happening. And when that happens, people are overwhelmed by what they've been able to do. And quite rightly so, of course, they've been able to, if you see that happening and you uh, are able to um, to actually do something about it, that is uh, that is a good thing to do. Yes. I did see one thing just again in the papers, not, you know, I read a lot of papers, but not that I've read anything special but um i saw that with the pandemic and all the protocols of never touching anything and never seeing anyone there's accidentally a little exposed a weakness in the system of contactless check-in where yeah. people never have to go to reception and well, if you go into your room and you know, don't worry about who's in the room with me and that's something perhaps for all the big hotel chains to to address yeah, and I think the hotel chains are very much um, supportive of this as well as they would be. Um, and there was a few years back, we had um, a lady from Akpat speaking whereby the, there was a new app whereby you could take a picture of your hotel room, yes. which would then be uploaded into a central database. And then it, if it comes up in films or whatever, then yes. it could be recognized as such and you could, you know, they could pinpoint where it is and try to to find where something can be done. Well, I think it's excellent that Marriott has taken the lead on that. And uh, I know that Visit Scotland and my team are certainly completely on board. And we are looking at ways to perhaps try and get Scotland to be, you know, as a nation, get all the big hotel groups together and sign up to charter. And perhaps that's something we can pick up because it's easily done. And with the tech getting more and more advanced, um, there's no saying how, how much effort or impact we can make. So one last question, Ben, is, um, and it's quite open-ended, and I think we've touched on most of it. Do you really believe that the global business events community is doing everything it can to be inclusive for all? Oh, inclusive for all, I think we're not. Or if not, how can we educate? Yeah, I, th I think we really need to. I th it's something that we really need to put into our minds as a very conscious decision. And again, collaboration is going to be important, but organizations itself need to do something about it. So again, within our own organization, um, we're taking action. There is a, an action plan on how to be more diverse and, and be more equitable and be more inclusive to all the communities that are currently in the organization and not yet within the organization. And that goes from gender, race, et cetera, et cetera. I think we just need to be not just, I think we all need to be very conscious of the fact that we need to take action and collaboration is really important there. So the continual conversation, the ongoing dialogue about it, um, the ongoing um, getting it into the news and into organizations. But again, large corporations are are pushing us towards all of that. So you see from, from um, procurement departments, from large corporate organizations, but also from in associations, they want to see proof of what we're doing as far as uh, our DEI initiatives, which I think is a very good thing because it focuses everybody on the issue. And that will be pushed down the supply chain um, on all scores. And that will be a global I'm sure that that will be a global effort everywhere. But we need to collectively, uh, first of all, recognize um, that there are these issues or that there are issues that were not diverse enough and that were not equitable enough and that were not inclusive enough. And then the second thing is to, to have a, a serious action plan on 
how to do it within our organizations and then as a wider group how we uh, force that if you like onto our suppliers and then etc cetera, etc cetera. so you need to push it down the chain but it needs to start somewhere yeah and it can be done at corporation level like Marit's in your sector but also at my level with when, when i meet the european convention bureaus you know we all get together so this shouldn't be rocket science to get no, something it really shouldn't up but, and we, running. but i think um neil i think as with the environment as with as huge issues as as DA and I is, um, I think it's really important that we we need champions for the cause, for these causes. We need champions to push things through and uh, and help us just focus on these important issues because it's not just about being inclusive; it's about being a, a, an appropriate organization for the future, and we need indeed ready for the future. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to to me and our audience. And indeed, thank you for all the work that Marit's Global Events does in in leading what we as a sector are trying to do. I think Marit's is definitely one that we hold up to and aspire to to be more like. So thank you to you and your teams and Dave Peckinpah and everyone for, for everything you do for the sector. We like to say we're like no other and that's our promise to, to the market. This brings our session to a close. We hope you've enjoyed it and will join us again next time when we'll be discussing Ambassadors for Change, engaging business events ambassadors in a post-pandemic world. Thank you for attending today's session. See you soon.